My name is Garland Gilchrist II. I'm the executive director of the Center for Social Media Responsibility mm -hmm. at the University of Michigan School of Information. Okay. And I'm Aviva Vadia. I'm chief technologist at the Center for Social Media Responsibility at the University of Michigan School of Information. Okay. So, I mean, this is an interesting talk. There's been, I don't know how long you guys have been here, but there's, there was actually quite a lot of tracks and, and conversations around this topic of the technology. I suppose the past year has been quite interesting in that a lot of uh, companies were let to get too big, maybe. Um, and their influence has become too much and people started paying more attention. Um, let's go back a bit before we get into the really d deep stuff, though. Sure. I mean, you're, forgive maybe my ignorance of the sort of academic world, but um, why is this center at a university? So it's an interesting question. I think that there have been um, people who thought about how information just flows through social networks in general. And when I say social network, I mean that broadly, not just an online social network in the way that yeah. we think about it today, but just through social groups and communities. And there has been a lot of social science research in, into that for, for you know years and years and years and years and years. I think what's interesting um, is as these companies, these platform companies, they have become the way for the sort of method for more and more people to get information and news and connect with people that increase in importance, increase in dominance, frankly, um, that research that's been happening in academic and social sciences, but also like in computational sciences as well, um, has all, has now begun to look at those networks. And for the last several years, we've seen research in that effect. And so the University of Michigan School of Information is one of those places where some of that scholarship has been happening. And so it one of the benefits of having this um, be at a university is that there is uh, there will be sort of a, a, the method of approach of analysis of, under, of exploration understanding and not really having being invested in where the research leads but just wanting it to continue yeah. to develop so we can, can deepen our understanding so this really, I think is a pretty good place uh, yeah, for, for that sure. to be and at the School of Information in particular at Michigan we take a pretty multidisciplinary approach you have uh, social science researchers you have economists you mm -hmm. have computational thinkers and computer scientists um, so you have a pretty broad set of people and methods and interests and this is a broad challenge I mean so information of all types goes through these networks and so having a holistic approach to it um, is is a benefit and that's why that's why so this so that's why the center really exists here it's actually an interesting point because you get all those potential um, potentially interesting people in one place yeah um, but actually so that's I mean because you're a CTO um, <laughs> however, however you want if you want to put quote marks at the yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. your job title so, yeah. so like, what are your two different roles within the, the centre then what do you how are you working together and why would, why would it need a CTO, I guess, is one question mm -hmm. as well. What are you actually intending to, are you intending to build something? Well, sure. So I'll, I'll start and then uh, and then we'll, leave. we'll talk about the chief technologist role. So I, as the executive director, so the the center is, the, the emphasis for the center came from the leadership at the, at the School of Information. Mm -hmm. So the dean, Tom Finholt, the associate dean for research, Paul Resnick, um, they began, you know, marshalling these conversations both internally in the school and to others in academia and in Industry about whether this had value, you know, given the moment that we that we're in, and so my role as the executive director coming on in February is to, you know, one just like 
we're going to sleep. We're launching this thing now. It's a real thing. And then sort of set a vision for how we're going to be in the world. And I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking about is we want to have this combination of continuing to support and advance the scholarship and make it accessible to more people, people beyond academia. And also, I want us to make real things and put them into the world, mm-hmm. like develop product with those dashboards, tools, recommendations, convenings. Like we, we have things that we want to create. And so to do that, you know, the center will need to have certain capacities beyond just its uh, associated faculty team. And so we need people with different skills and resources. We'll need partners of all types, you know, we'll need partners in the funding community, partners in other other types of other researchers in different disciplines. We'll need to work with platforms appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really, so, so my role is to kind of put together a vision and, and, and make sure the resources are there to execute on broader visions that we can have an impact on sort of defining what it means to be responsible yeah. on social media, defining how, what it means to have healthy and productive, high quality connections um, on the media that we use today and in whatever we're going to use tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I think social media is not an eternal thing. No. It's going to evolve and so we're going to think about that. And yours would be more, I guess, providing input on what's reasonable and realistic in terms of implementation and um how some products might be created themselves as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the parts of my role is to help create these systems or, you know, products that help us understand what's happening in the media ecosystem. Mm. Um, So right now, you know, everyone sort of sees their own little slice um, and they might have no idea what's happening in the broader ecosystem. And they don't. And this is a problem that I saw in 2016 mm. where everyone was like, everything's sort of, you know, it's not great, but things are fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was looking at what was happening with the entire ecosystem. And that looked really, really dark. Mm. Um, and I want to be able to mm. to be able to create tools that, that can show that to everyone in a way that's meaningful to them. Um, and especially in a way that can help the platforms and... Um, Policymakers, civil society, organizations to understand what's actually happening in the ecosystem overall, built off sort of my research and built off some of the amazing research that the faculty at UMSI have developed. Do you come from a developer background at all? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I studied computer science um, back at MIT back in the day, and I've um, I've done both um, software engineering and product design research across sort of across the So, board. actually, a question for you because I um, have been doing talks on ethics at European tech conferences recently. Uh-huh. And also, I still do. And in fact, it's how I make most of my income. The journalism is one side of things, and it's fun. But I make a lot of my income from doing documentation work and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I relate the two subjects, <laughs> they're not necessarily directly related, but in terms of their ways of making code better that often developers don't really want to hear. Things that you want them to you know, listen to your users more, document more, uh, be more ethical, etc. It's like, I just want to play with the next cool tool. You know? Right. Um, I mean, so what? <laughs> What, what what brought you interested from just coding into the broader uh, picture? I mean, I've, I I mean, even before I learned to code, I was interested in how do we create systems. Like I remember this in, in like middle school and high school, being like, how do we organize knowledge in a way that that is better than the way that you know I'm getting it from my teachers? Mm. Um, and like that's the thing that I care about. And then you know going into um, I, you know, as I became a, a, as I started learning how to, how to write code, mm. I was like, I can use this code to do that even better. Mm. Um, and I, you know, tried to create a like Wikipedia for everything. And, you know, that sort of thing that you do when you're, when you're like, you know, 18 or, you know, um, and, but, totally. and, and the, but, but as I, you know, 
at, at, at MIT, I really started to question more about, well, is this technology thing really all that it's shaped up to be? Mm. Is it actually a net win in all cases? And the answer that I found was that no. Okay. It's, you know, technology can be great and it can be not great. Um, and it, it, it may not bring you into the world that you actually want to live in. It may bring you to a world farther away from that. And so that's that's been a focus of my my sort of thinking and my work um, as much as I, I've been able to make it be that um, for as long as I've been working. And was there, uh, for both of you, was there a, a personal direct or indirect moment that made you want to be involved with the center? Well, it's funny. So for me, I too um, was educated as computer science. Okay. So, I, so I'm a, I was a, I went to the University of Michigan and I was a double major in computer engineering and computer science from the hardware software side. Yeah. And more broadly, if we talk about the School of Information itself, like when I was in, a, when I was an undergraduate student, um, I took two courses at the School of Information, but they didn't have an, they didn't have an undergrad program at that time, but I took two graduate courses there. And one of them taught me the concept that was most fundamental to how I view the world today. And it was this, this notion of uh, information asymmetry, this idea that when you have two, let's say you have two parties in a relationship, those parties have different levels of quality of information, different levels of access to information. They can access things more quickly. And so, once that sunk in, it actually changed the way I looked at relationships and, and contracts and things um, very broadly, which has impacted my career, my career path as a result of that. And so that that sort of principle is also really underneath a lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of like information asymmetry is, is, is at play when you're thinking about how do I know what information do I need to be able to trust what I'm experiencing and so or, or to, to have a to have a full grasp or put this thing into perspective or context and so it, when the opportunity came up and it showed that the, that the school of information was doing this particular thing I thought back to that moment when I had this aha mm -hmm. and it really sort of it cleaned my glasses if you will in terms of how I could see things in the world um I was really excited about this problem. And as someone who in my career uh, had went from being a software developer to being someone who used technology to, you know, encourage, engage, mobilize people to solve like real on the ground, um, whether it's life and death or, um, 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 you know, dollars and cents problems for people. Um, I thought that this was a really amazing opportunity to, to activate all that. And did, did, did either of you have a moment in your computer um, computer your programming engineering developer backgrounds where you were working on a project that made you think this isn't a good this isn't a good idea I don't want to be working on this oh, oh yeah definitely uh, um, I, I can't talk about that yeah fair enough <laughs> I say that <laughs> my, my, I, it's funny like I mean I certainly um you know, in my career, I went. I was a, I was a developer at Microsoft. Okay, and well, they have a mix. And I went to well, not the. I mean, let's be clear. The experience was was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing but fantastic. What I found though is that I found it more fulfilling to use my technical training and experience to help people yeah. um, on a more individual yeah. level. Like as like as opposed to just helping people like at work. Yeah. Um, I found it interesting to help people in their neighborhoods and communities. Mentoring. So, yeah. And, and so, so I didn't have a moment where I never had a moment that said that, um, 
being a software engineer is awful. I never yeah. had that moment. Yeah. Uh, I have moments in saying I can be a software engineer that applies those skills to a different domain. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, the, the, the nice thing I hear so far with this is that it is involving um, engineers because I think one of the problems with a lot of sort of leading back to what I said was that um, so many times developers are told they should do better things by people who aren't developers. Mm -hmm. And whether it's wrong or right, you have a tendency not to listen to people you don't really think are the same as you. Sure. Um, And I've been thinking about this subject quite a bit, about who are the best people to pass these kind of messages down to developers, especially... um, one thing that's been playing on my mind because I did this talk uh, in Eastern Europe where there's a lot of outsourcing developers who are very far removed on the chain mm-hmm. and no one really talks about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. but they're actually the people implementing a lot of projects mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to think people like engineering managers dev leads things like that are probably the best people because they're sort of in the right part of the chain they speak to business people and product people but they also speak to the engineers and the people that the engineers listen to <laughs> well, well to think I, who yeah you know. I mean I think as you're thinking about how you can have impact to change any sort of industry or any sort of mm-hmm. system you need to understand um the different people and the different roles they play within it and, and realize that they have influence and power in their own way mm-hmm. and respect that and acknowledge that um and want to work alongside them and and listen to them you know, people at different, mm. at different, in different positions have perspectives that are incredibly valuable. And, and so that's why I talked about the importance of the center working with others and partnering and convening. Mm. We need to have conversations where we understand what people are feeling and experiencing and thinking and the ideas they have towards solutions. I mean, this, this is a good point to go into. Um, we've, we've said a little bit of background, but I mean, you only started in February and you as well? Or? Um, I've been doing work for the center um, before it existed okay. for like eight months. But so, yeah. so I guess what is it working on and what is its plans for the next six months? Yeah, sure. So so getting off the ground, we, we want to um, do a few things, I think, really before the end of this year. And one is to, to demonstrate this notion of, of a product that I talked about. And so we have some research that is, that is ready to be activated related to things like um, measuring the the proportion of uh, stories that are shared in social media from unreliable sources and looking mm-hmm. at that on at least one platform. And so how do we sort of activate that, the ability to do that in, in this defensible way and then turn that into some sort of tool, whether that's a dashboard or, or something else um, that people can sort of see that and that can be context setting both for media consumers, for media makers potentially, sort of understanding that and sort of being transparent about how we do it. You know, another thing we're interested in is another another tool, maybe it's a dashboard or something observational related to measuring things like the quality of a conversation in a given network. So think about places where you have conversational changes, like whether it's Reddit or it's the comment sections on news stories or et cetera, which sometimes are like the worst parts of the internet. Yeah. But there are ways that that there's research that's been done. There's machine learning algorithms that have been developed where we can measure things like the level of aggression in in an exchange, the level of personal attack in a comment, um, the level of of toxicity in in an exchange. And so uh, wanting to activate that sort of research and turning it into something useful because we think that when you are, when we're engaging with like potential partners at platform companies, um, if we can actually create, you know, well thought out, conscientious, meaningful metrics, um, that is one step that gets us one step closer to being able to design solutions to optimize those metrics. What is this? So, uh, actually, interesting. You talk about, you know, just showing metrics on whether conversations on a platform are. Um, 
generally pleasant or toxic or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, most people who run platforms generally know, broadly speaking, if the conversations are bad or not. And some platforms are worse than others. So, or is it just to help? There's an dis- actionable to start scale. There's an, well, scale's one thing, but there's an actionable difference between knowing something broadly is like feels yeah. uncomfortable and, and being able to, and being able to, again, going back to an engineering perspective to say that I can, I have a method for determining this mm. um, because that's something that I can design around and optimize for. So that the qual- so adding, so combining that qualitative sense with um, some more quantitative mm. measure is something that that can be engineered so having a having another metric instead of just metrics for latency and um, response requests and API throughput but also metrics for the more human side of things (laughs) to to be super concrete like you mean like let's say you're optimizing for engagement or clicks yeah and um, I mean what I've heard repeatedly from the platforms um, uh, has been we need Alternative metrics yeah, that for sure. like measure these these other characteristics, yeah. and the, the the challenge has always been well. Sometimes creating those metrics requires significant resources. Mm-hmm. It requires resources in terms of like engineering work, in terms of training data um, for let's say creating a machine learning mm-hmm. algorithm, or even in terms of if you want to have continuous quality control mm-hmm. on these metrics that are a little bit more human and fuzzy. Um, and so one of the things that I think it's valuable about having something like a center to be doing that work is. Like that's a place to sort of funnel in those resources that can that can help be instrumental in creating real metrics that aren't quite as easy as just like counting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you think you're going to convince uh, some platforms to to use these dashboards? I mean, I, I I think there are some that recognize there's a problem and want to do something about it, but there are probably others that don't. I, I think, don't know. <laughs> well, I think I think, yeah. I think there's a couple approaches. I mean, the first is we wanted we're we're doing um, work and research and, and building product based on things that are publicly available first. Mm-hmm. Um, right now and there are platforms to your point that have expressed in their own way mm. a willingness or a desire to want to understand these things or go deeper Twitter put on RFP Facebook's been talking about this for the last several mm. months um, they have they have at least signaled that they would be willing to to uh, work with others on that and I think that's very good mm. and I think we should be open to those kinds of partnerships and for, for other for other networks I mean I think that it's important to show that we are here to be a an honest and truth-telling partner, but that we want to work with everyone who's interested in in sort of defining what it means to be responsible here and, and trying to make those experiences better for the for users, for the companies, for the media makers, etc. And so I, I think it, I, I'm a believer that you start with doing work that's good, that's solid, that is um, understandable, and that you share that work, and there you can begin to build a relationship based on, like you've seen, how the, how this entity operates, um, and that's someone that you want to partner with. That's how it starts. I'm going to ask two somewhat difficult questions, and potentially big ones. We'll see how we go with them. <laughs> <laughs> and bear in mind, of course, sometimes if I ask a question, it doesn't necessarily mean I agree or disagree with it, but yeah. let's, just, let's just stick some... I don't know what the word is, but anyway. <laughs> um, the first one would be around, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you are expressing a fairly engineer-like uh, solution to a problem, mm-hmm. um, but humans are not as, as clear-cut as that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So let's take, for example, um, you know, like in the past where Facebook was accused of being too left-leaning in terms of the way it moderated and things like that, this sort of problem of... If you take, um, 
I, know I don't because I'm not American. I don't know too much about these outlets really, just apart from the highlights. But say, say something like Breitbart mm-hmm. or these kind of uh, platforms that, you know, there's a lot of people having different opinions there and some are valid but badly expressed. Some are not valid. Some are just badly expressed and some are downright just criminal, offensive, etc. How do you kind of metricize, if that's a word, like honest conversation that you may or may not agree with versus things that are genuinely unconstructive and unhelpful, you know, it, and it's very, it's going to depend very much on kind of the platform and the context, but. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think we both can chime in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, where, I, where I would start though is, you know, this is where, well, let me say, uh, let me refine it two ways. So one, um, talking about an engineering centric mm. response we're saying. So uh, I'd, I'd like to be clear as to what being an engineer is. And an engineer is really just a person who thinks about problem solving mm-hmm. in a relatively structured way. So that actually isn't, isn't limited <laughs> in terms <laughs> of how you, how you yeah. do solutions. Yeah. It's just like that's you have an approach to problem solving. Um, and on questions like these, like this is the benefit of being able to look at and work alongside people who have been doing research on this type of stuff in communication and linguistics and social sciences more broadly. Um, this is why they are super valuable as partners to be playing on stuff. That, that is hard. Like, um, but they, but it is because something is hard. It just means we need to think about it in a more big way and not cower from it. But I, I won't pretend that we have a, that there's a concrete answer to that question right now. I think Aviv has done some more thinking on it than I have certainly, but there, but, but we are, that's exactly the kind of things you want to tackle and because it's hard it's what we need to tackle as an example I'm not saying this is the right approach but this is a concrete way to think about this the problem of well how do you distinguish between let's say these two types of conversation one which is you know maybe um, how do you describe it if you can you can re-describe the, the two types of conversation that you're trying to distinguish between? You know, there's there's conversations that um, you as an organization may not agree with, but are valid in a democracy mm-hmm. that there's, and then there's just downright offensive conversations that are not constructive to anybody. And sometimes when people get very passionate about subjects, you get a bit of a mixed bag, you know, and it, sometimes it comes out the wrong way when there's actually elements of things that should have been discussed. Yeah, they were just it's, discussed it's, very badly. It's also, <laughs> it's also real, and that's also relative, yeah. right? I mean, if you think about like, of course, uh, so for example one of the things that that I know people struggle with is like um, this notion of civility Mm. and that can be uh, a complicated concept right Um, and so just being being thoughtful about that I think is really important I'm sorry yeah yeah, I I think that um, it's going to be dependent on so for any individual who's reading or seeing those content they're going to react in different ways Mm. to that um, and so there's definitely no uniform, like, this is going to offend someone, this is going to, um, this is going to provide value to someone. But there is sort of some distribution, some, mm. some sort of percent which are going to be offended versus the ones that and are going to leave the conversation, are going to be like, or are going to hate someone more. Um, and I think that you can literally ask, as just as a, as a very concrete thing, that you can literally ask a number of people. Hey, look at this thing. Mm. How do you react to it? What do you want to continue this conversation? Like, what would you say? Um, uh, and see how they react, or even look at the real behavior in those systems. And so, all of those things give you some signal as to which of those types of conversations are. You're not going to get it right. Mm. It's not going to be perfect, but you're going to have. You're going to be able to build a model, um, and that model can help inform whether or not the the, the policies, the algorithms, the design choices of that platform are actually 
good for the conversation? I mean, like, are sort of moving in that positive direction or are sort of moving more in that negative direction? Mm-hmm. And this is actually, I think one of the things that has been a criticism and has been missing too much in discourse recently is constructive discussion. Like we've always disagreed with each other, right. but we used to be better at disagreeing with each other. <laughs> and now we've kind of developed, devolved into, I don't agree with you, oh, screw you, etc. Whereas previously we'd say, I disagree with you for these reasons. And you'd say, I see your point. I disagree so, with you here. And but we seem to have lost that art. So, so part, of, part of why it's important yeah. to be able to observe and, and measure and see what the indicators are for these things is so that it can be rewarded, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and those those systems for rewarding certain types of behavior, certain sort of styles of behavior, those social media, like that is something that is designed into that. Those reward systems are designed and created. What we recommend is designed. And so um, we are not powerless to, 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 to think about how we can reward those types of behaviors. How will you like one of the one of the criticisms so far of a lot of development of these uh, of well, a lot of engineering projects is a diversity issue, um, and I think one of the discussions around diversity is it could be various things, of course. Mm-hmm. So, how will you address your own? Uh, I think in this particular case, probably more intellectual diversity on the subjects you deal with. Will you hire people from different backgrounds and different kinds of sides of? Well, it's, it gets very messy because people like to talk about political divide, but that's mm-hmm. very un, that's very grey area in itself. Mm-hmm. There is no left and right, but you know. <laughs> so, but yeah. you know, will will you look to maybe hire a data scientist who's worked at Breitbart, for example, or you know, someone who has expertise, but in a very different world to maybe where you came from, to bring different perspectives into the mix. I mean, I think it's important. Yeah. I think I think diversity across all of the axes are important. Mm. And even if we're thinking about again, we're going back to these ideas, these metrics like civility, mm. what is what is a a dangerous or uncivil conversation to me as a black mm. American man is different. For sure. someone who exactly. does not have those yeah. characteristics, and we need yeah. to be mindful of that. that. That's why this is this is that we need to be very conscientious about how we're designing these things, and that's also why it is important to have people from different walks of life, different mm-hmm. ideologies, different skill sets, mm-hmm. different disciplines as part of the, the the broad set of people who are who are thinking about these. So I I don't um. I, I I will be doing my best to be mindful of that as executive director and thinking about how we grow and thinking about how we partner mm. um, as well because in if we are not mindful of that our solutions cannot be robust. So no, one final question then, um, like you know, in a year, two years time, whatever the time span happens to be, what do you what do you want to achieve? What what would be like a sign that you have been at least partially successful? Well, I think I think you can look at and rainbows everywhere, all over the internet. So you can think of it in terms of outputs and think yeah. in terms of outputs and outcomes. So from an outputs perspective, you know, I talked about product. Right. So I want us to deliver tools that are that are relevant across different uh, across different audiences. So those tools that are usable and accessible to media consumers, tools that are usable and accessible to media makers, um, tools that are usable and accessible to platform partners. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to aggregate and um, develop new uh, research and insight mm-hmm. that, again, is is useful to different to those different audiences. And also, we'll have convened conversations um, about how do we optimize for responsibility in these in the different 
elements uh-huh. of that. So that's one thing. So in terms of outputs, uh-huh. of these kind of things you want to do. In terms of outcomes, um, one thing that will be important is what is the conversation or, or is people's or, or, or society's mindfulness of this as a challenge? Has that persisted in a way that people have deepened their understanding? of it and even their willingness to work on it from wherever they sit. Mm. Um, I think that will be an important sort of qualitative outcome to show that like we are still mindful this is a challenge and therefore we want to be having our eyes towards solutions and then seeing that the center is one of the partners that people who want to work on this problem can partner with. I think that's what I want to see as far as an outcome. (laughs)